Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. We have a really special episode on talking trading today. Imagine being able to hear the specifics of a market wizard's trading plan. Well, in this episode today, it becomes real. The legendary Tom Basso walks us through the technicals of his trading system. Tom is most famously known as Mr. Serenity in Jack Schwager's New Market Wizards, And Tom is certainly one of the nicest guys to interview. Now retired from managing client money, Tom was the president and founder of Trendstat Capital Management, which at its peak handled over $600 million worth of other people's money. Today, Tom drills down into the mechanics of his trading system, and we discuss trend following and exploiting trends, trading losses, entry and exit criteria, risk and volatility control. In the past, Tom Busso has painstakingly answered every trading question he has received over personal email, Facebook and Twitter. But now he has created and launched his own trader website, enjoytheride.world, to answer trader questions. Tom wants to pass his knowledge and education on to help other traders. And as Louise Bedford says in MindPower, the true professional never stops learning and never stops growing. Let's hear from Louise now, and then we'll move on to part one of Tom Basso's interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Before you get married, you see the wedding as the prize, not the marriage. Before Christmas, we think of the Christmas present as the prize, not the spirit of giving. Before you trade, you think of the trading win as the prize, not the process of gaining a trading education. Yet, it is that process, that education process that will bring the greatest rewards. Even now, if I sit in on a beginner's lesson about the markets, I still learn a few points. Never stop learning about the markets. Cherish each lesson. Hug them to your heart and let them be planted in fertile soil. The true professional never stops growing and never stops learning. Do this and then you'll be one step closer towards living the trader's life. Market wizard Tom Busso started out as a chemical engineer and traded on the side because he thought he should do something with his money other than sticking it in a bank. 
And he had so much success in his backup plan as a trader that he became a registered investment advisor and then he became the creator and president of Trendstat Capital Management, which at its peak handled over $600 million worth of other people's money. He is the author of the 1995 book Panic Proof Investing. Tom shut Trendstat down in 2003 and has since been trading for himself in Scottsdale, Arizona, and steadfastly answering every personal email, Facebook message, Twitter feed, one by one, up until just now, where he's created his own website, enjoytheride.world, to answer trader questions and to educate. Market wizard Tom Basso, hello and welcome back to Talking Trading. Oh, Good to talk to you again, Carolyn. Nice to see your chirpy smile in Scottsdale, Arizona. Are you still enjoying the ride, fishing, golfing, dancing and singing Sinatra with Celine Dion? <laughs> yeah, when, that was a Celine Dion tribute singer, not Celine Dion herself. But that was uh, that was an interesting story in itself and that that was sprung on me with no warning and I had no warm up. So, yeah, that was fun. But I am doing all those things, still dancing. Uh, my wife and I love uh, to uh, country two-step up here in the mountains, and uh, I'm on summer location now, so I'm up at about 5,000 feet in the air in uh, northeast Arizona and uh, operating out of there on this uh, this particular night that I'm talking to you. And uh, having a lot of fun, and I'm still enjoying trading. I'm still enjoying doing some research, so yeah, I'm enjoying the ride fully. So Tom Basso, Basso meaning deep bass voice of the choir. Correct. (laughs) I'd like to ask you in the first part of our interview, some of the specifics of your trading, because after our last interview, we had Mm -hmm. some questions on your methods. So you say to traders, stay with your strategy and enjoy the ride. Now, I just want to get this clear. You're a trend follower. Why is trend following your strategy? All right, trends occur from time to time, and they don't occur all the time. Uh, you know, I, I, I did some stats way back when on the U.S. stock market measured by the S&P 500, and I think that it came out that 25% of the time the market was in an up direction, 9% of the time it was in a down direction, and the remaining 34%, I believe it is, uh, or excuse me, 64%, two-thirds of the time, it stays in a sideways uh, moving action. Well, you're not going to make a lot of money as any kind of trader if the market just goes sideways. You might be able to pick off certain you know, tops and bottoms and trade the range, and that might be a way of picking up pennies in front of the steamroller, so to speak. But the big money gets made in the big uptrends or the big downtrends, shorting. So you look at other markets like gold and oil and others just go anywhere around the world in various uh, stock indices or commodities, and you'll tend to find that markets will go sideways and then they'll go crazy, they'll not go crazy, or they'll go the other way. And trend following means picking up the fact that the direction has now started to move someplace, jumping on that trend. And every time it moves in a major way, you exploit it. And that pays so much money to you that you're willing to take your losses on the whipsaws and on the sideways action. And it just suits my strategic 
tendencies. You know, I, I'm looking at trying to worry about the next five years, not about what's going to happen in the markets tomorrow. Uh, that's way too much detail for me. So it suits my personality. It suits my retirement status. Uh, everything fits me like a glove. And, I, and that's one of the things that I try to get all traders to think about. There's nobody in the world that's exactly like me. Everybody's unique, and they have different resources, different skill levels, different knowledge levels, different time commitment, uh, capital that you're, you're going to use, uh, tools available to them, people they know are different. Why would anybody want to trade exactly like me? Because they're not me. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So I try to emphasize that over and over and over and over again, and I think that what I've done is created for me. It works for me. That's why I've been successful, I think. So I'm going to jump to a question about losses in the markets. And I've read that you say a trader needs to look at their system, their risk management and volatility control, and their psychology. You have a relaxed attitude about losses. How do you recommend trend followers view losses in the markets? What I uh, view each trade as is the next one piece of data in the next 1,000 pieces of data that I'm going to accumulate in my trading. So in other words, if I'm trading 18 different commodity markets and I do on average a trade or two a month, I'm going to end up with hundreds of trades. I'm thinking of trying to get to thousands of trades. So you're talking many years. When you start thinking of one trade, whether it's a loss or a gain, as nothing more than one data point in the next 1,000 that you're building up to gain, to gain trading experience and to gain statistics on whether or not your strategy is going to be successful, then it kind of minimizes the emotional impact of that one trade and allows you to sit back and say, okay, it's just another trade. It's, it's not much more exciting than breathing. And when, when you get to that point, trading becomes easy. It doesn't become as emotional and you can you know, stay with your strategy. Our traders are trend followers. What proportion of your trades are winners during each year? I would say between 30 to 35%. So it's usually about two-thirds negative and one-third positive. And one or two or three trades will make most of your money each year? Uh, it depends uh, on the year, but some years the difference could be as little as one trade would make the difference between a break-even or a slight loss and a very small profit. In other years where you get two or three big ones hitting, you're going to have a nice year. So then it's two or three. and I'd love to have years when I have two or three or four big trades. That That's usually a very profitable year. Just want to talk about the psychology and the difference between the psychology of a trend follower, say a day trader. Uh, day traders, in my mind, would have to be pretty much glued to the screen almost, even if you're computerized. When I tried to do some day trading using our computers at Trendstat back in the days, I realized that data could fail, the computers could fail, uh, data could come in and was incorrect. Uh, there's just a, a lot of things that would happen where human intervention almost seemed necessary because the computers could not keep up with the volume on some days. Data would be wrong and throw you into an incorrect position. You'd have to scramble out of it. It just seemed like there was um, 
the, a very difficult time trying to leave it alone and just say, okay, everything's fine and, and uh, let's just uh, relax about this and let the computers do the work. So I think there's a little bit more hands-on with that. And, and in my life, I'm retired. I, yesterday afternoon, I spent all day on the golf course. Uh, so I got, my, I got my work done on the markets at about 5 or 6 o'clock at night after dinner. And uh, today, because of all sorts of busy things, uh, I just got my market stuff done about 20 minutes before you uh, uh, called. So... Each day is different for me. I don't try to stay glued to the machines. I might know what the markets are doing at the open because I tend to watch it during breakfast. But other than that, I leave it alone and I'm out doing landscaping and running chores and working on the computer and doing other things. I don't even look at the markets. I heard your putting has become very good. Yes, it is. Uh, I've got a a new putting book that I just put out, and uh, I've actually sold two copies of it. It's it's a bestseller in my mind. Uh, Tom, I'd like to ask some specifics now on your trading plan. Sure. Can you tell us about your entry criteria? What does yours look like to enter? Well, it varies with each of the strategies that I use because I trade stocks. I trade a hedging short sale system using uh, SPY uh, exchange traded funds uh, ticker symbol SPY it's basically a standard Poor's 500 trades a couple hundred million shares a day I believe something like that very very liquid use it for hedging only and then I trade about 18 futures markets so each of those strategies has different models if you will or indicators that are used to trigger signals in the case of stocks I am first screening for profitability and more fundamentals in the company. And then I look for it to have a positive momentum going to the positive side and that it's somewhere no more than 20% off of new highs. So it's been a very successful company. It's made new highs, probably backed off a little bit. I'm looking for a place to buy into it. That's how I construct the stock side. Then I, over on the hedging side, I use uh, 20-day Keltner bands, you can look it up. It's K-E-L-T-N-E-R. Uh, most yeah. of the broker platforms have them. I use 20 days because that's approximately a month. And I figure nothing happens inside of a month that's all that exciting to me. So I just want to smooth things out over a 20-day 20, 20 business day period. That's around a month of trading days, probably a little less, but not much. It's a nice round number. I just picked it and it felt comfortable. And that's what I use for triggering my hedges. And I, when the Keltner bands are broken to the downside, I trigger a hedge trade or half a hedge trade. So I, I hedge half the portfolio. And when the other Keltner band gets hit, uh, I hedge the rest of the portfolio. And now I'm batting down the hatches. I don't care what the market does just about. And uh, basically my beta goes to zero. And I'm in the market, but I'm not in the market. Over on the future side, I use something more like a range trading, a range breakout strategy. I won't get into the exact details there, but if you go all the way back to Dungeon Channels back in before I even became a commodity trading advisor, Richard Dungeon made range trading very famous. He had a specific time period that he looked at uh, and he looked to try to break out. Uh, he'd buy on the breakouts up and, and sell on the breakouts down. 
all I did was to try to take that same concept and make it a bit more, a bit less fixed. Rather than a certain fixed amount of days back, I have a more of a variable days back based on some things that I did at Trendstat that I thought made sense. So, but if you look at a range trading strategy that's just off the shelf in trading blocks or one of the various research platforms, the, even the, the uh, broker platforms, you're going to get answers that are going to be very similar to what I do. And uh, it, mine's too complicated to explain easily over a phone conversation anyway. But it's something I've done for like 35, 40 years. So it's, it's been robust and it, uh, it's an easy way to trigger my buys and sells. Let's talk about your exit criterias. Okay, exits are typically, in the case of stocks, a range breakout that's done on weekly charts. So you're talking probably months of action has to come into play for me to get knocked out of a stock. I just as soon hold them for long-term gains. In the case of the hedging, it's the Keltner band breakout to the upside. I get out of the hedge when the market takes off to the upside. In the futures, I use the same range-breaking strategy to the upside, and when it reverses and goes to the downside, I just simply reverse. I stop out of the, the one side and go to the other side. It's just on and on. I'm always stop and reverse, stop and reverse, stop and reverse. The only thing that would look odd to somebody from the outside looking in, and it may be your next topic, should be probably – is how many contracts do I trade? Let's say we've got crude oil going up, 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 and it finally uh, starts going back down, 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 and, it, and the, it's a spike top and a spike crash and it's coming down fast. I'm still ahead on the trade, but it gives me a reversal. But the risk is so large for the size of my portfolio, it says to do zero contracts, then I do zero contracts. So I, d I do the trade mentally in terms of the, the strategy, and the strategy thinks you're short, but you're short zero contracts, which means essentially you don't have any. But um, that's kind of odd for people to understand, but that's what I, I think is the most logical way to deal with positions, position sizing which is a, a very critical part of success. And this story was very famously highlighted in Market Wizards with you, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I had, a, I had some interesting things I learned back in the, uh, what, 70s and 80s. That's a long time ago. <laughs> okay, your volatility setup. This is, the, this is the area we had the most questions about. Could you go through this with us? All right, well, volatility and risk are two things that are easy to control in your portfolio and certainly your positions if you choose to do it. And I would submit to everybody listening that controlling your volatility and risk is more important than actually getting your buy and sell. Uh, a famous study I did that people have quoted over the years is taking random numbers and just buying and selling but putting the best volatility and risk control on the portfolio that you could possibly do. and because there are trends every now and again, if you flip a coin enough times, you're going to catch the trend. And if you move your stops up behind the, the trend and the trend runs a long way, you're going to end up with a sizable profit that will pay for all those losers very slightly. No, but I wouldn't suggest that anybody go out and start flipping coins to trade the markets. But let's get into risk and volatility control. 
you want to size a position. So you say to yourself, all right, um, crude oil's breaking out to the upside. I want to buy crude oil. Well, there's a couple different ways. You could just buy one contract, but it, it makes more sense to me to say, okay, I've got X thousands of dollars of portfolio. The risk to my stop loss uh, or my reversal trade in my case of crude oil is X dollars. So if I take X dollars divided by my portfolio size, I now know the percent risk I'd be taking on with one contract of crude oil. If I want to set my initial risk at, say, 1% of my equity, and the crude oil one position is only a half a percent of my equity, then I could trade two crude oil contracts. Simple. If uh, volatility, on the other hand, uh, I would like to say in any one position, I don't want any more than 1% of my portfolio at risk to volatility, which is basically going up or down movement. Because the farther and faster something moves, the more it gets into your head, starts scaring you, starts making you nervous, starts causing you to not be able to sleep well at night, and lots and lots of things. So, uh, and they're all bad. Uh, so, uh, so I like to control volatility to 1% of my initial position as well. And I'm more seasoned as a trader than most people would be. I would suggest that most people probably start at half to 66 uh, percent of equity uh, with their volatility and all I do to do that is I measure the 20-day average true range or ATR it's called you can look it up on the web and get the formulas to do it it's easy it basically says take the average of the last 20 days of movements from the highest high to the lowest low over 24 hours average that out that's what volatility would be and then label each market that way. So crude oil, last 20 days, what's the movement? It's X dollars per day movement. Now that I have dollars per day per one contract, I can say, how many contracts do I need to do to do 1% of my portfolio in volatility with crude oil? And by doing that, you know that if you're trading, say, 10 items, and you, no matter what kind of dollars you have, those 10 items will be sized appropriately so the volatility of each of those things is the same as the other. Therefore, they will all become part of a portfolio rather than having one gold contract that's dominating everything and nine other things that are just going along for the ride. You have a balance in the portfolio and that keeps things smooth. Smooth is good. Yes. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of Talking Trading. Stay tuned next week to hear more from market wizard Tom Basso on trading psychology, current market conditions, and his new website, enjoytheride.world. We love bringing you these Talking Trading episodes. Make sure you're subscribed at talkingtrading.com.au and leave us a fat five-star review on Apple iTunes. Until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.